0: Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 260. Still out here at Greyhawk for the men's national championship. The stroke play portion is coming to a close today. After the dust settles, we will know which eight teams will advance to match play, and we will also crown a new individual national champion. One of the teams that will unfortunately not advance to match play is Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons saw their season come to a close yesterday, but lots to be proud of this year. They captured the ACC title for the first time since 1989. They have new recruits coming in, and as always, Wake will be a force to contend with next season. My guest on this episode of The Back of the Range is Parker Gillum. I've spent quite a bit of time around Parker over the last couple years here at The Back of the Range. One of the real good guys in college golf. Wanted to make sure I had him on the podcast before his collegiate career came to an end. We spoke about his start in the game, what led him to Wake Forest, And we also had some time to chat about a couple school records that he owns. And when you think about the names of great players that have competed for Wake Forest, and yes, there are a lot of them. Well, Parker Gillum has definitely left a lasting legacy at Wake Forest. Just a couple quick housekeeping items. As always, make sure you're following on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. There's also new merch available. Let's go ahead and get this episode started, Parker. Finally, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you for having me on. You got it. No, I'm doing great. Not as good as uh, you know an ACC champion uh, that, that you, and your, you and the boys picked up a couple of weeks ago, but I'm, I'm still doing well. And and I guess we're we're both kind of getting ready for NCAA regionals. Um, we're, we're kind of talking the day after. Those uh, those assignments went out, so to speak. Man, I, I don't even know where to start. But we'll start with this. You you came back for a fifth year as a grad student at Wake. Uh, I know it's a busy time of year, and postseason's on the way. Um, what does what does the course load look like for a graduate student at Wake Forest University?
1: Well, for me, it's it's a little different than the normal grad student for Wake. I did a sustainability kind of graduate degree, but it's called the certificate. Uh, for sustainability instead of a full master's program. So I only had to take three classes in the fall and then two in the spring to be considered like eligible and able to play and be able to get the certificate. So I can come back now if I wanted to, like a year or however long down the line, and finish it and get a full master's in sustainability if I so chose. But the certificate worked out great for me because I went to class twice a week. In that's, September.
0: That, well that's probably the same that's probably the same amount of time you went to class your entire college career isn't it?
1: <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, i can't can either confirm nor deny that <laughs> smart, smart
0: guy that's a seasoned veteran right there knowing that this is being recorded um no that's i mean look i mean we're gonna talk about the fact that you came back for your fifth year at wake and obviously now sitting back and getting to walk into uh into the facility and look at that acc trophy that That uh, has been elusive for for the Demon Deacons for quite some time. I'm sure you're you're thinking oh my gosh, what a great decision I made. Parker, I want to ask you a little bit about your start in the game. Obviously growing up in North Carolina, you know, successful junior golf, successful in high school golf, and you know, Wake Forest is one of the, you know, marquee programs in the country that everyone knows about. There's so many great players that have come out of Wake. Um, Was it a you know what led you to wake was this a no-brainer was this I need to really try and get on coach Haas's radar how did how did this all come to be that you ended up playing college golf at Wake Forest
1: well it started I guess it kind of started when I began playing golf so I, I kind of I began late I started golf end of my seventh grade beginning of my eighth grade year like seriously um and I went to a Jerry Haas golf camp nice uh, with, going into my eighth grade year. And so that's the first time I ever like went to Lake forest and was exposed to any tor- uh, sort of golf program. And I absolutely just fell in love with it. And I knew I wanted to go there. And then around, I guess it was the U S junior at and So that would be my sophomore year in high school. I played there. I played pretty well. Um, got eliminated around 32, unfortunately, but that kind of got me some exposure with wake. And I, as soon as that term was over, they wanted me to come for a visit. I came for a visit, and a year later, I was a demon
0: deacon. So did you play it cool on that visit? Like, yeah, you know, I'm looking at other schools. Okay, cool. Oh, Arnold Palmer went here. Nice. I mean, did you play it cool, or were you just trying to just bottle the emotions as, as best as you could? I mean, without just coming out and gushing and saying, oh, my God, I want to go here.
1: I tried to, I, mean, I, I was trying to keep it cool, but inside I was freaking out. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. Cause they were just building the Haddock house at the time. Right. So that wasn't completed yet. Um, so the whole facility is a lot different than it is now back when I was getting recruited. Um, but everything, it was, it was an amazing experience on that recruiting visit. I remember it to this day. I ended up playing with Will Zalatoris and Paul McBride on that, on that visit. Um, so that, that was an unbelievable
0: experience. Whatever happened to Will Zalatoris? I mean, that's—I uh, mean, gosh, what? Whatever happened to him? Any, any, <laughs> any chance we get to make fun of Will Zalatoris, we do as much as possible. He's a friend. He's a friend of the program, so anytime we could, we could take the piss out of him. That's that's. Uh, we try and do that. And these these co- these camps, these coaches' camps. I mean, I think probably I guess for the last month or so, if you follow programs on Instagram or Twitter, this is around the time that the coaches start releasing the dates and details of all their uh camps what okay what is the kind of the setup of a camp i mean obviously you can't speak to other camps but what what are those camps like i mean it's a great recruiting tool for the coaches i mean why travel the country we can just bring all the kids in but how is it for for a camper
1: um for me that i can at least remember and what i can tell now because i've helped out the past couple years in the summer when i've been practicing um it's a lot of fun for coach haas and how he runs it Um, A couple days, they'll just stay at the facility and do a bunch of drills and, like, competitions against each other. They're separate. There's, like, 50 or so kids, I think. So they're separated out into, like, groups of 10. And so each, like, team will uh, compete against each other in a bunch of different drills. And then they'll go out and play, like, nine holes at some local courses around here. And at the end, they'll have some, like, tournament and the lowest guy gets a trophy and everything. And then at nights, Coach Haas, I don't know if you've heard, but he is a pristine wiffle ball player. Very I, good pitcher.
0: I have not heard. I have not heard about this.
1: Oh yes. So they'll do wiffle ball nights um, out at the athletic facility um, for the track and field team. They have like a kind of a track, and they'll do like a they'll do a game out there on a piece of grass. And he is he pitches and is supposedly just unbelievable at that.
0: Interesting. So so you are not only. A, a member of the championship ACC championship team you're also a part-time camp counselor in the summer
1: <laughs> no no I mean not a ton I, <laughs> I just have I just happen to be up there when he has camp a couple of times so I've helped out a little bit
0: um but that's pretty but, cool for it to come full circle I mean you're going to the camp and then you get to be an upperclassman on the team and you get to see these kids coming in just like you did with, with their, you know, their eyes got to be wide open looking at a college golfer like you saying, Oh my gosh, this is who I want to be.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I can still remember days from my camp days when I go down there and I'm it just comes back to me and I'm like, wow, like, how lucky was I when I was eighth grade, you know, I was a freshman in high school coming here and now I get to bestow some knowledge on these kids. It's, what, it's, do, it's you,
0: do you remember some of the questions that they ask you? I mean, I'm sure there was a time where Coach Haas is introducing you to the, to the players or, or to the kids. And he's like, hey, you know, this this is one of my guys. This could be you. You know, do you remember any, any questions or any any unique aspects of, of you know, these campers?
1: A lot of things is like, how has my game changed since I was in high school to now? Like what, what did I think was important then that probably wasn't yeah. as important now? Things like that. What tournament should I play in? very general questions, but a lot of it's to do with, like, okay, what do you think I should work on, really? Like, a lot of people say ball ball striking, and I've learned, you know, everybody can kind of hit the ball okay in college, and, and the pros, it's more who can putt and who can chip better. Um, I, I told them, you need to work on your putting more than anything else, for sure, and I didn't do that in high school, and I know I didn't. Um, so being able to at least tell them that and hopefully steer them in the right direction is something I love doing.
0: What was your parents' uh, kind of role in in that process? I mean, at some point, I mean, were they just like, "Oh yeah, go to Wake," or were they kind of kind of moving you around the the kind of the recruiting process and kind of navigating things? What was your parents' role in this process?
1: Well, my uh, they knew I wanted to go to Wake, and my dad wanted to make sure I kept my options open. But they, it was kind of funny I found that after the fact that my dad and my swing coach were trying to take bets on where I'd go. Um, oh, that's and- fun. Yeah, and my dad, my dad was always just like he's gonna go to Wake, but he made sure that I looked at like other schools and at least gave you know gave him a chance. And I almost went to a different school instead of Wake. I was very close actually, um, but I just I knew at the end of the day, um, Wake was gonna be it. I had one coach, I can't say the school, but I walked in there. He looked at me and he's like, "So is this this trip even worth it? Or are you just gonna go to Wake?" <laughs>
0: okay uh, he's really well i mean i i you know i kind of understand that but also the coach probably should be a little bit under, under a little more understanding of the fact that yeah there's gonna you need to take a couple different trips you got to go through the process
1: yeah i mean that's what my dad wanted me to do is go through the process and make sure i kept my options open um and i'm glad he made me do that really
0: yeah, it's funny. Um, it kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with Luke Kluver from Kansas. He was a guest on the podcast just a couple episodes ago, and he was saying, you know, one of the pieces of advice he was sharing with, with youngsters is, you know, experiment with, with different equipment and, and, you know, build relationships, you know, to go up and introduce yourself to, to every coach you can. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to go to their school, but just talk to people and have different conversations and, and don't, you know, maybe not have a tunnel vision on where you think you're going to go. Just kind of broaden your horizons.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, the relationships I have with our coaches, I mean, we, we play with Clemson like almost every event the past couple of years. So I love seeing the Clemson coaches. And I have a good relationship with the NC State coach just because my swing coach is based out of the course they play at. So I'm always at NC State practicing. So I have a great relationship with them. I mean, to have any relationship with any coach is, is really, really great.
0: Your, um, your personality on the golf course, from what I've seen, I mean, I've, we've bumped into each other at multiple tournaments. Um, from what I can tell, your personality is a little bit different, and it's kind of a little bit of a throwback. You're pretty social, you know, pretty uh, got, normally have a pretty good smile on your face. And, and like I said, I mean, whether it's an amateur term in the summer or collegiate tournaments in the fall, um, and while you are, you know, wearing your Terminator sunglasses, trying to look like a badass, normally that's, that's not going to work. You're smiling all the time. Um, I, I, you know, I pretty much have a rule where I won't engage with a player during a tournament. I never want to roll up and be like, Hey man, what's going on? Haven't seen you while. And they just made triple and they're like, dude, stop talking to me. So, um, is, is that pretty much your natural personality? Just kind of easygoing. I mean, have you ever tried to change that because, okay, now I'm on the golf course, now I'm in tournament mode, or do you just kind of approach it as if, uh, well, I'm just going to extend my natural personality to the golf course.
1: Um, I, it, a lot of people, I think, would would have different opinions on the statement. I, I think when I see people, like when I see you on the course, I make sure I talk to you because I know you and I, I want to say hello. Um, but there's a lot of instances where I'm very competitive, very competitive. So if things are kind of going south, I get very quiet okay. and very just kind of in the phone. Fo- I mean, you've seen me in this um, mode, actually. When the fir- first time we met, I looked at this picture the other day, we were at Merido. And you're trying to get me to smile for a picture, and I was comp- I wasn't playing very well, uh-huh. and I was just completely just you know, straight faced, very focused. Um, but when I see people and I you know interact with people, I try to, you know, I change myself to where okay, I'm happy and upbeat, and I I talk to people. But when I'm over the shot and when I'm walking between shots, it's by myself. I'm very like straight face, very just in the zone. Like let's, let's, let's get the ball rolling.
0: Sure. Now are you a lot of, like so I hear a lot of different things. Some people in between shots are trying to think about anything else besides golf. Um, they're trying to keep things very light. And then those, you know, 40, 50, 60 seconds, um, you know, as they're walking in or when they're over the shot, that's when they really lock in. So are you more focused while walking? What are some of the things kind of you're thinking about during those times?
1: Um, well, it depends. If I'm by myself, I kind of – I just try to, like, look around me and uh, just, just take in kind of the walk. I try to keep Barry in the present. And But if I'm with, like, you know, uh, Coach O'Callaghan or Coach Haas, I'll get him talking about something like NHL or sure. NFL. Something something's going on. So it keeps me just kind of off golf for that kind of first half of it. And then the second half when I'm kind of approaching the ball, I start thinking about, okay, what shot am I going to have? What's the wind looking like? Um, what club am I about to hit? What do, what, what do I need to do to kind of get ready to just get up there and hit the shot? It's about a half and a half.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned the team, uh, Coach Haas and Coach Hallahan. Um I mean, team chemistry, I know is obviously really important in college golf. And I know that while you're playing your own ball, you still kind of need to motivate and encourage each other. Cause you know, you're, you're traveling a lot together. You got the van rides and the flights and the practice rounds that are, you know, five six hours, and you know late night meals, and you know I had had Michael Brennan on the podcast. If I remember right, he told me the story about Mark Power being the pr- prankster on the team. And I mean, are you as the 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 senior leader? I mean, are you the only mature person on this team, or are you known for keeping things light? What would you say is is the best description of the dynamic of this team?
1: Uh, well, for me. I The guys like to pick on me. I'm the punching bag, and I kind of let it let go. Now, why?
0: Now, why is? Now, why is that? Because you're 34 years old, or there are other reasons.
1: Oh, (laughs) mainly because I'm the old guy. Okay. Um they they like to they like to make fun of me for a lot of things I like to do, and I I, I'm fine with it. I just kind of smile and move on because I want those guys to be happy. As long as if them if that if them picking on me makes them happy, then so be it. Um, but. No, I mean I'm the mature guy, but I, I'll I'll crack some jokes with him now and again for sure. Mark is definitely the prankster. You've heard that—that's correct information. Do
0: do they <laughs> do they decorate with your uh, your push cart with streamers on your birthday? Do they have do they have they gone that far? I mean, I know that the push cart is definitely one one source where they give you they give you some shit. But I mean, are there other? I mean, you open the door on this. What else are they picking on you about? Oh,
1: uh, okay. Well, um be honest, the push cart isn't that there, – there hasn't been that much of getting picked on okay? because I've had some injuries. I have to use the push cart. Um, so they, they don't pick on me much for that. But I go to the gym a lot, and I work a lot of upper body, and they love to give me some, you know, jokes about, you know, how my biceps look or something like that. Or if I, if I hit, a, hit a long ball in the practice round, they're like, oh, it's because of those biceps or something like that. They really like to pick fun. Uh, me going to the gym and stuff like that
0: okay so they're jealous um, they're jealous of your physique i understand i
1: yeah. <laughs> don't know if i'll agree with you on that one but maybe
0: uh, all right all right um well i mean i i, I look at this you know, it's just such an interesting lineup and you know you I mean between you and and power and fits and canon and it seems like it's it's this five um you know we we talked about you know coming back for this fifth year. And obviously you're, you're thrilled. You did it. Uh, it's paid off in, in huge dividends, but um, you know, when, when COVID hit, it seemed like the consensus of a lot of players were like, yeah, I'll, come, I'll just come back for another year, play some more golf. And, you know, this is actually a really big commitment that you're making. It's, it's kind of putting your future plans on hold. And it's also kind of putting the program's future plans on hold. I mean, it's an unprecedented thing where, you know, coaches are all over the country recruiting three, four, five years out. And, you know, they know when players are coming in and they also know when players are, are going out and you obviously don't want to coast through this. You want to make the most of it, which you guys have done. How has this year been for you coming back, knowing that it's kind of this bonus year, but you, you want to, you know, keep it light, but you also want to get as much out of as you can.
1: It's been a kind of a roller coaster for me. Um, I'm very happy that I'm back. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, but the fall was, I had some personal issues and the side happened. So it kind of, uh, hurt my growth a little bit just in the fall. Um, but in the spring I'm back to the full, the full Parker mode, to be honest. And I'm very happy to be back. I, I don't regret this decision whatsoever. I've made more strides in the mental side of things than I have on the physical side of golf. And that's, that's the goal for me. Uh, when I set out Wake, the goal is for me to get better in some aspect of the game every year. And this year, instead of it being more, you know, physically in terms of short game putting or shipping, whatever, it was more on the mental side. And so I'm beyond happy that I came back because now I can take those improvements and hopefully improve on them more in my pro career.
0: Yeah, and, you know, this. I'm looking at the, the results for the team this year. I mean, you won your home tournament in the fall, but then the rest of the year has just been a lot of fourth place, third place, a lot of, lot of close calls. And, you know, you're heading into this postseason, and we'll talk a little bit about the experience at, at conference, and we'll talk about regionals as well. But, I mean, what was kind of the messaging like throughout the year? I mean, you're, you're close to winning but not cracking through. You know, how, how does Coach Haas kind of keep the team on the right track, keep building, keep working really hard throughout, a you know, admittedly a very long season? I mean, how has the messaging kind of ramped up this spring?
1: Um, he's just trying to keep us positive. Um, one of our main problems is we don't play the par threes very well, and we as a team are just not good at recovering from mistakes. Um, so we've been really working hard on trying to figure out ways to recover from those mistakes and make some bogeys instead of making doubles or triples. Um, so we finally started to see that kind of come in play at Floridian, at the Valspar and at Calusa, where we got third both weeks and started working better as a unit and started all finally having better scores just because we weren't making as many dumb mistakes around the greens or three putting here or there, you know, or blading a wedge. You're finally just starting to play some solid golf. I,
0: I'm I'm curious about about this topic because I mean, obviously, you can pull up stats at the end of a tournament and see, okay, here's what Parker did on the par threes and the par fives, and here's how many putts he had. And you could look at those stats and and have coaches say, "Hey, guys, stop doing that." You know that it it's, it's got to be a little bit harder than just that. How how do you work through something like that? I mean, is it? consciously you know taking you know if you get out of position get back into position don't be greedy is it learning how to you know maybe be less aggressive on lag i mean how do you go through that i mean it sounds simple like hey here are errors let's clean it up how do you clean up stuff like that
1: um for par threes let's go with that sure it's kind of it starts right just off the t instead of you know taking an aggressive line and a pen moving that pen 10 feet right so then if you pull it it's perfect if you push it you got a 30 40 foot lag putt and if you hit it you know that where you want to where you move that pen you're gonna have like a 15 foot birdie putt it's just simple things like that it's not not very difficult it's just picking the correct lines and not not being greedy i think for me and i know a couple of other guys we're very aggressive players and that kind of bites us in the butt a little bit because if we play too aggressive hit a pull hit a push that could lead to a double really quickly if there's hazards or out of bounds or whatever there is. Um, I think just kind of picking not too conserva- conservative, conservative line, but you know, a solid line that gives you some leeway if you hit a bad shot, because you're not going to hit a good shot more than what, like 40% of the time, maybe even less than that majority of the time, the ball is not going to start online coming off the team.
0: Yeah, and one of the problems that you have, and and a lot of the best college players in the country have, which is I've seen, you guys are capable of hitting absolutely incredible golf shots, and then to stand on a par three that you know a two hundred twenty yard par three where the pin that's back left, you know you know you can hit the shot, but it's got to be hard to just say no, I don't need to go at this pin, I I can I can hit it there, but let's not do that. So that's got to be the challenge of just. I mean, is it fair to say that sometimes it's just you got to check the ego and just hit it at the middle of the green?
1: I completely agree with you. Check the ego. Really, I mean, majority of the time, a 220-yard par three is going to play over par. If you make, you know, say it's three rounds, you make three pars, you're getting shots in the field just by hitting it middle of the green every time.
0: Yeah, we could knock that down to 175 yards, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'd be probably the same deal. Yeah even if you say the pin's back left or you miss the green right you have all the screen to work with to so have an easier chance of making a par just because you have an easier up and down than going at a pen hitting it left hitting, to say a bunker or whatever um just playing it into the conservative spots and making pars is a good thing
0: so i'm going to name a handful of these um Wake Forest legends. We got Webb Simpson, you mentioned Zalatoris, Billy Haas, Andrade, Curtis Strange, Jay Sigal, Landy Watkins, and of course, you know, Arnold Palmer. I mean, we got major winners, we have Hall of Famers, winners on tour, all Americans. The guy that owns the record for the best round ever shot in the history of the Wake Forest golf program belongs to you. You shot 60 at White Sands in the Bahamas you beat Webb Simpson's record by 2 you're also the fourth all-time in scoring average in the history of the program this does not sound like things that deserve the ridicule and the abuse of your teammates Parker i mean i don't know why that you, i mean you shouldn't put up with that crap i mean after i mean you're holding these records did you do you still look back i mean obviously you know about these records i'm not telling you anything new but when you look when you think about that is that like, how did that happen? To be honest, I have no idea. You had, um, oh, okay. You, you knew about, you know about these facts though, right? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah.
1: I, okay. I, I knew about the, I knew I've heard, I've heard about the facts.
0: Okay.
1: Um. But I, I didn't, you know, I didn't come into college thinking I was going to break any records. I mean, I came into school. I didn't, didn't even think I was going to play my freshman year. And I ended up playing all the events in the spring and we I played regionals of Scarlet that year. Yeah. Um, so I golf, as I said earlier, you know, I tried to just try to get better every year and it's, that's what it's turned into is fortunately being able, being fortunate enough and blessed enough to, to play well and play a lot better than I thought I could come into school.
0: And do you kind of like the, I mean, because the team you got, you got fits and you got power, a couple of Walker cuppers, Brandon won has won four times in two years. You have two collegiate wins yourself. It's not like you're just, you know sitting in the corner with a coloring book or something. I mean, you're, you're definitely a, one of the strengths of this team. Are you very vocal in the locker room? Or are you kind of more, you know, the more quiet behind the scenes guy, like who, I guess we can just bring this right into, to when you're going into conference. I mean, who is the guy that's kind of rallying the, the troops and saying, Hey, let's, let's get this done.
1: I would say Mark power really is the guy that's Mark being power. Most vocal. Mark power. He's a very vocal guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mike kind of sits in the sidelines. He's a quiet guy. Yeah. Um. I do my own thing at practice. I'm very, very quiet. Um. But Mark, you know, he was really, really vocal at ACCs. He really wanted it to happen. And at dinners and stuff, he's always the guy who talks the most. Um. So he was, he was being the most vocal and getting us pumped for it. To be honest. Uh, I was extremely excited about ACCs, but I was, I'm just a quiet guy. So. I was, I was in the
0: zone. I mean, you, this is the first – I mean, you win this conference championship and this is the first ACC title for Coach Haas and it's the first one since 1989, which is – I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I, I can't even fathom that it's been that long. I mean, that team in 89 had Len Matisse on it, Owen O'Connell, uh, who's, a, who's also a Walker cover with Great Britain and Ireland – you know, some teams may look at conferences like a formality. Um, you know, there's there's teams like like Wake Forest that are, you know, pretty much, you know, you're guaranteed going to regionals regardless of what happens at conference. You're ranked, you know, 20, 25th on average, I would say, for the entire season. I think you're 15th now. But, I mean, you're in. You know you're going to regionals. Um, you know, you mentioned Mark Power. What, what was Coach Haas's, you know, um message so to speak going into conference where you know he wants it you know you guys want it for him but you got to try and keep things loose i mean it's this is a pretty big deal
1: yeah his it, his main message really was just for us to do our best and not let the situation overwhelm us um and the whole you know acc championship being this big deal and we need a win you know he i never really heard him say like we need this win guys or anything like that he was very just stay in the moment, stay in the present and just enjoy your time out there and do your best. That's all I can ask you to do. Just do your best. Um, and I love that about coach Haas. I did did not feel any sort of pressure from him or anything like that going down the stretch. Um, that last match. I mean, I was, I was just, I was having a blast just being out there and competing. Um,
0: well you you picked up the you picked up a point in the final uh, the final match play session against Connor Howe and then and then the winning the deciding point was was Fitzpatrick winning in 21 holes obviously you're off the golf course by that point or at least you're off, you're done with your match by at that point so obviously you're following Fitz um, I mean that I would I mean obviously it comes it comes out in your favor but just following that final match in your final year and your final opportunity to play a, a for a Converse championship is that probably the highlight of your college career at this point?
1: Oh yes. It wipes the sixty right off the table. Oh okay. wow! I mean, I was I don't I don't think I stopped smiling for an hour after it was over. I mean, I just I couldn't believe it. I mean I've been you nearly know, my fifth fifth try at it now and we've I've been on some great teams with great players and this year we finally were able to get it done and I just I was I was shocked. I mean, I wasn't shocked. I was just like, "Wow, this is this is unbelievable." I don't believe we did this. Like, this is why I came back. This is what I wanted to do. I'm so glad we won. I just couldn't. I couldn't stop smiling. We left in in our our van. We had a Kia, and then we had this huge white van. And I was in the Kia with Coach O'Callaghan and Fitz. And Fitz put "We Are the Champions" on, and we started blaring <laughs> it as we left left the golf course and getting to the airport.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and and you get back to campus, and I think the women's team were waiting for you. They're ACC champs too. I think this is one of the very few times that that's happened, where you know, two. I, I, there is a stat somewhere that I saw, but I can't think of it at the top of my head. But I mean, you got both programs winning ACC. Uh, they had to have been just as happy for you as you are for all of their success.
1: Oh yes, um, this actually, if I remember correctly first time in wake forest history that a men's and women's team the same there you is. know same sport won acc there you go and then this is the first time in acc history that this has happened the same same schools won both so um we were all i mean there's a huge they're all waiting for us when we got back you know hugs around everything it was we were all excited for everyone i mean we had two trophies we walk in the Haddock house there's kind of like a desk to the right and we have both trophies just sitting there facing the door so every time we walk in, we get to see both of them just sitting side by side. Um, so that's, that's a really cool experience for sure to, to be able to win both
0: of those in the same year. It's probably a good thing too the fact that neither Fitzpatrick or Keene can one up each other in this situation. It's probably just good for, for the entire atmosphere at the Haddock House where those two can't just like say, hey, look, uh, ACC champs. You can't, that's probably a, a good, healthy thing for the environment of, the, of both programs.
1: Oh, Yeah, very healthy. Keep, keeping them both cool is, is a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing for sure.
0: <laughs> I uh, yeah, I've I've talked to both of them about the other, and uh, they, it is it is a um, it's a reality show waiting to happen. I really I do believe that that could easily be a reality show.
1: That's a great way to put it, for sure. I completely agree with you on that one. It I, is a reality show, Wake Forest. I,
0: I, I love the fact that you're being very cagey with and not elaborating at all. So, I, well played. You're doing fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to ask about regionals. Now, obviously, you just released uh, uh, Wake Forest's number three seat at the Yale Regional in Connecticut. You, you know, you're heading there, and I'm looking at some of these teams up there. You know, there's a couple ACC teams there. Obviously, the number one seat is is UNC. Um, number five seed is NC State. Virginia is at ten. So there, there's you know a handful of ACC teams there. You've obviously had success in regionals, and you have had a lot of success in the postseason in your individual career. For you going into regional, is is this? I mean, you want to get the best. You want you want to get the best out of your game, and, and you want to win. But do you approach it that way, or do you approach it as? hey, just, just get it done, get in the top five. This is just a means to an end to get to nationals. How do you approach regionals?
1: I personally approach like as any other event. Okay. But nothing changes for me here. Um, I mean, wakeful, if we play well, we'll get through. That's all we need to do is just play like we do any other golf tournament. Um, I don't think there's any sort of message Coach Haas is going to give us any way that the other guys are going to look at it. It's just another golf tournament.
0: Yeah. and and it sounds like that's probably the healthiest way to look at it because i'm looking at some of the other regionals and like the one that jumps out at me is like the one in stockton where you have arizona state washington 1 2 that's a big conference battle right there and then the biggest one is obviously at, at norman oklahoma oklahoma 1 on their home turf playing against texas and um and yeah they they I mean, Oklahoma's had the the upper hand on Texas all season, you know, Merido early in the fall, and then obviously just now at conference. Is, uh, I mean, is there a team, I mean, obviously, is, is there a team that's on Wake's radar that, like, hey, this is our rival, we want to beat them? Do you really, have you had that really in your college career?
1: Not really, to yeah. be honest. Okay. That's- um, I guess Georgia Tech, really, because of ACC's and trying to, you know, be the the school that has the most ACC championships. Right. But that's only when ACC comes around. But we really haven't had a school where like every time we see them, like, oh, we want to beat them, you know? Yeah. We, we need to beat them. We don't have that, that team that, that I would remember, at least.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually think at, at regionals, that would be a distraction. Um, I think that it's probably good. Not that, I mean, obviously you beat Georgia Tech, but I just think it's probably at regionals, probably the less, less of that as possible would be probably the best thing.
1: Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Just another, another golf tournament. Yeah. No reason to make you anything else.
0: Um, I want to ask you, so you mentioned your, your professional aspirations. You have played in a corn fairy tour event Monday qualified into the, the Rex hospital in 2018. You also play in the Puerto Rico open, uh, after that, that win down in, uh, Houston's tournament in the, in the Bahamas. Um, and you just recently got uh, full Canada status for next season. So I'm guessing it is full steam ahead with, uh, with a professional career after you're done at wake.
1: It is the first event is actually right after national. So I'm trying to figure that out currently how I'm going to try to make it. Um, but it's right when nationals is over, I'm straight to Canada for the summer. Have you ever
0: looking, been, have, looking you ever, forward to it. have you ever been to Canada? I have not. So it's
1: going to be a whole new experience. I've, I've, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for it.
0: So if I'm looking at the schedule, you are probably talking about, so if you're trying to play the first one, I guess that means you're going to the Royal Beach Victoria Open. In is uh, that, Yeah, I think
1: that's what it's called.
0: Yeah. And then you have, oh my gosh, you have Edmonton. Oh, Prince Edward Island. That's awesome. So there's, so there's a lot of, I mean, there's some pretty cool spots that you're going to be going to. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. and and you've played. I mean, it's not. It can't be any colder than in Canada than it's been at Merida, right? Oh yeah, no. I remember <laughs> that round. I hope. I hope it doesn't
1: get any colder than
0: that. I think that and and Jones Cup are the two that I think I will never forget. As far as just being like, you know, why are we out here? Like this is the this is the silliest thing. Oh, yeah. that marathon round was ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to let you go. Uh, I want to ask you one final thing about uh, about Nationals. Obviously, got to take care of business at Regionals first. But I was walking with Andrew McLaughlin, who is going to be an incoming freshman next year at Wake. I was just with him at Terracotta. Um, you know, great player, won the Jones Junior. And it's not often that I'm surprised on the golf course, when I'm following, you know, some of the best amers in the world, you know, I've I've been to USAMs and Walker Cups, and I've seen some ridiculous things. I've had numerous people on the podcast, but Andrew said something to me at Terracotta last week. I literally stopped in my tracks. I, I stopped walking, and I and I didn't believe it. So I want to get the confirmation from you, your current member of the Wake Forest golf team. Please confirm the following: Should Wake Forest get to get to Greyhawk, is Coach Jerry Haas giving you the option to wear shorts at the national championship
1: as of now that is the plan yes this
0: is the most i mean this this is shocking i don't think people truly understand wake forest wears pants all the time it is a team rule when you heard this were you i mean how shocked were you when you heard this
1: i was sitting in a hotel lobby with him and he told me and i was speechless okay
0: so i'm not i'm not blowing this up i'm not i'm not throwing some extra sauce on this statement this is truly a shocking development within the program.
1: Well, oh, huge. It's huge. I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be talked about if we show up in shorts. Right. And I'm not saying that everyone's going to show up in shorts either. Cause some of us didn't really love that idea. Personally, since this is my last kind of go around, I'm probably still going to wear pants.
0: You're just um, gonna clean, you're, going to keep it clean. You're just going to keep it clean for the entire career. Like, you know, full pants mode. You're not going to, you're not going to switch up.
1: Exactly. But I can tell you, Alex Fitzpatrick will wear shorts. <laughs> he's been begging for this to happen since he's been to late.
0: Well, sir, uh, I know it's been an awesome career. You still got a couple more stops uh, left along the way. Um, yeah, good luck at regionals. And I hope to see you out at Greyhawk at the national championship. Glad we got this done before you called it a career. And I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range.
1: Thank you, man. Yeah, I hope to see you at Greyhawk as well. Can't wait for it.
0: And there you have it. Special thanks to Parker Gillum for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Enjoy the national championship. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.